This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown. It's the Now News Panel on a Friday edition of the show. I'm Dave Brown, joined by Joy Gupta and Michelle McQuig. One more topic on deck. Stats Canada has been releasing a whole bunch of data this week. Staying busy at that old building near Tunney's Pasture in Ottawa, including a nugget about how millennials are now the biggest age demographic in the country. We're number one. We're number one. Nojud Almaliz digs a bit deeper into the data. The average age in Canada dropped slightly between July 1st, 2022 and July 1st, 2023 for the first time since 1958. However, Statistics Canada says the number and proportion of people aged 65 years and older have continued to rise. The federal agency says the share of millennials and Generation Z is increasing, while the reverse is true for baby boomers and Generation X. Those trends have helped increase the share of the working age population, which increased in 2023 after steadily declining over the previous 15 years. Nujud Amelisiknian Press Ottawa. All right, Michelle, you started nerding out on this data the second it got dropped. <laughs> Why did it jump out to you? Uh, possibly because I grew up in a house with a demographics nerd and boom bust, <laughs> boom bust and echo, like actually literally shaped some of our family planning decisions growing up. Like, yeah, this is, this is deeply entrenched in, in a quick DNA, but I do find this interesting. The fact is demographics nerd or not, the baby boom generation has had a huge impact and shaping society for for decades now and we are officially turning the page i still think boomers are going to be the driving force behind a lot of societal developments for the next while but we are officially now in a new, in a new chapter and apart from our insufferable smugness and our plethora of avocado um gen y <laughs> is now like, like like this is it like the millennials are are, are now going to be the the or not, not it, not immediately, but I think are, are are soon going to be the sort of driving force in society. Mm. And demographic trends are interesting, frankly, and and, and sh- can or should be used for guidance on a whole lot of issues. So I, I, yes, I was scratching my own geeky itch here, but I also thought that it might be enough for us to to all pitch in on because because it affects so many things, it might st- must strike us all differently too, right? Like demographics. Mm-hmm are extremely wide ranging. So Michelle, I want to stay with you here. I want you to throw a little bit more chum in the water for the sharks named Joita and Dave to uh, dive into here. The implications, what are the implications that you project about millennials becoming the biggest cohort in the country? So I, I, I'm first I'm seeing that's not a much, it'll be interesting to see when millennials are truly entrenched as the primary sort of decision makers whether the priorities that millennials claim to espouse like climate change get more prominence than they have to date. But honestly, in the short term, I'm a lot more interested in things as the baby boom generation continues to age. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see, I've always been interested to see, for instance, whether disability would start becoming a more active part of the conversation when we have a bigger segment of the population 
that is aging and is identifying as disabled. Uh, I'll be really interested to see if that starts to come together. Uh, Long-term care crises and, and availability and healthcare system capacity, all these things, many things that we've talked about, housing, stuff we've all Canada, talked about. Canada pension plan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many things, right? All of these things do at some point have to get passed through the lens of demographics and the aging populations and changing populations. And I often don't really see that lens applied or hear those threads tugged on. And I've always kind of wondered why, because it's so basic. Mm. Like, Joita, I, I don't even think you need to look that far down the road in terms of implications, because if I, I believe sincerely that millennials already have had a pretty significant impact on society, particularly societal mm-hmm. issues, uh, it's fair to argue that the current prime minister, Justin Trudeau, is someone who courted a millennial vote to reach power Mm -hmm. in 2015. And I would say the 2021 election, I've mentioned this to you guys before, a lot of my millennial friends who have young families ended up voting for the liberals simply on the daycare platform. So I think Mm -hmm. about legalization of cannabis. I think about daycare. I think about those Mm. things as being not driven solely by millennials, but being something that millennials are deeply aware of. Yeah. And I would also say the normalization in the way that we talk about mental health, that was something that's yes. largely been driven by the millennial mm-hmm. generation already. So, Juliet, I don't even think you need to look that far down the road to think about some of the societal implications of millennials. Mm-hmm. But I start to wonder about the flexing of economic power, because even if millennials are becoming the biggest cohort in the country, a lot of the money still rests in the hands of the boomer, the boomer generation yes. and the Gen X generation. Yeah. Yep. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, what, I mean, this means a couple of things with millennials being the largest population segment in the country uh, and being of working age, they are the ones propping up CPP and the long-term care sector and other and, and healthcare, right, as the tax-paying base, um, and that's going to mean that there's a dependency or a relationship between the baby boomer generation and and, and the millennial generation, right? But uh, beyond that, I think on the economic front. Um, there are many things that millennials have griped about, being locked out of the housing market being one of them. And I would be very interested to see what the implications of the transfer of wealth from the from the baby boomer generation. Yeah, I mean, as people's yeah. parents get older mm, and yes. they die and their kids, like people like us, inherit money or inherit housing, is that the only way you're actually going to get a toehold in the housing market? If you can, you know, lean on mom and dad or lean on your inheritance or lean on... Um, you know, inheriting a home. So what are the implications of that transfer of wealth? Because the baby boomer generation uh, is by far doing much better economically than the millennials. I think there's a lot of research to back that up. But as time goes by, I think we are going to see a tremendous transfer of wealth. And I would be very interested in knowing what the implications of that transfer of wealth actually end up being. Uh, But the other thing is, you know, in Canada, we've dealt with our skewed demographics by attracting a lot of immigrants. And now Mm -hmm. that you have uh, millennials making up the majority of our working age population, I would be very curious about the implications for immigration. Are we going to have that same need to bring in immigrants? Uh, You know, what kind of immigrants would we want to bring in? You know, what's going to be, you know, what is, where are we going to target our immigration 
given the changing demographic situation in Canada? These are questions that are very interesting to me, but questions that I readily acknowledge are beyond my pay grade. But <laughs> always in Canada, we have shored up using immigration when, you know, when our birth rate has declined and, you know, birth rates are still comparatively speaking, pretty low. So. Yeah. Very low. Yeah, very yeah. low. Uh, and that might have something to do with that wealth transfer that you're talking about. Yes. Because if you have to wait till your 50s or 60s to engage in some kind Buy of wealth transfer, then yeah. you're not going to have a family, uh, most likely, or it's going to be a much mm -hmm. more tricky situation. Now, here's where, even though a lot of what we've already said is supported by data, this leads once again into the bigger thought about generational portrayal. This is, in fact, the daily poll today at Accessible Media on X, at Accessible Media in on Facebook, Michelle, that there are some generalizations that are sometimes backed up by data. All baby boomers are wealthy. That's not correct. <laughs> there yeah, are there yeah. are some very individualistic uh, lucky ones, but not all of them in aggregate are doing extremely well. And then, there's no the no and then there's the notion of like avocado toast. And then there's the notion of lazy Gen Zs who are aloof exactly. or cool Gen Xers. And I, and I do wonder sometimes that the way a story like this gets talked about relies too heavy, heavily on the way in which generations and cohorts are broadly generalized in mass media and social media as well. I'm going to include social media there too. I, I think you're right, Dave. I, and I will say this as the one who made the avocado toast joke. I'll, I can use it. It is a short cut that society takes. It's not ideal. I am glad though that for the, the, the meat of this conversation, we did generally stick to real data. But I think you're right. There are lots of really unhelpful shortcuts um, that, we as a society, and specifically on this panel, that we as, as disabled people who have been subject to to overly broad and unhelpful yeah. stereotypes oh, yeah. before really ought to keep in mind. Um, but in terms of these demographic issues, I, I think that there's so many of them and they're so fundamental that they do kind of cut through the noise on some of this stuff. And I think... I, I feel we've been able to have an adult conversation about this. And I think when it comes right down to the nitty-gritty of how these demographic trends play out in real life and when we're talking about real people um, and, and when these demographic groups cease to be a little more abstract, then I think we do get into some more productive ways of talking about the human beings at the center of these conversations. Yeah, Joey, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to land in the same space as Michelle here that I just, I, I don't like the way that our generation collectively gets portrayed, even considering there are different parts of the millennial generation that are radically different. I shared the story in the first segment of the show of a coworker who was about 12 years younger than me. I'm an old millennial. She was a young millennial. Our worldviews were completely different, not just because we were different people, but because even within the cohort, there are sub-cohorts. Yeah, Very much of course. So. Um, I think it depends on what conversation you're trying to have, uh, why you're trying to have the conversation, and who your target audience is. Uh, I think if you're trying to talk anecdotally or if you're trying to uh, tell human interest stories, then it's worthwhile keeping in mind that overgeneralizing an entire generation can be deeply disquieting and that we lose much of the nuance um, in that there is, as you both acknowledge, diversity within a particular generation. So that's one story that you could be telling. Um, you know, for example, if you think about people who grew up during the Second World War, right, and people who want to now have accounts of those stories, the reason the the the, the accounts of individuals who lived through the Second World War maybe as children 
uh, are interesting and rich is because each of those accounts might be very different, even as they share commonalities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then if you tell a different kind of story, which is a policy story, then I think it is helpful to generalize in, in that it is worth noting that baby boomers made a lot of money that has economic implications that has policy implications. Uh, it, one of the reasons, uh, you know, millennials um, have, a lot, like, for example, you know, you could argue the millennials, at least many people my age have massive student debt, they're still paying off. Uh, the cost of post-secondary education has continued to skyrocket. So Generation Z will also be paying off massive student loans. There are all these implications for people not being able to buy housing um, and, and, and having a way to settle down in their communities. We talked about renters who are younger being lonelier, and that has in policy implications. So when you're talking about the bigger policy or system-wide issues, then yeah, okay, fine. Then you lose some of the nuance. You lose some of the individuality. And yeah. you, you tell a, a generic story. But you better, so really but you, comes, but you better do it earnest. Like you better do it in earnest and like in good faith, and, and in good faith in good right? Faith. Like yeah. it's, yeah. Cause, cause how many, how many yeah. articles do you pop up? Like just surfing the web every day. It's Netflix and Starbucks. that's keeping millennials out of the housing market. It is not Netflix and Starbucks keeping yeah, millennials out of the sense. housing market. Yeah. You know, it's not. And I mean, it's a form of, dare I say it, victim blaming, uh, because I actually sat down and I did the math because I uh, I have struggled with this as, a, as someone who would like to buy a better house and said, OK, well, what if I had never gone on a holiday? What if I'd never eaten out? What if I'd never spent a cent on Netflix? What if I just took everything I earned, like everything yeah, I earned every and, and just put it in a pot? I would still not be able to afford a house. Like I actually sat down and ran the numbers and just to assuage my my guilt. And if that's true for me, and I'd like to think that I have a reasonably good income and I work hard, then you know it's it's equally. But it's also but there are also other implications. So I think um, you know people putting off having children, for example, because of the fear of climate change, uh, especially with millennials or mm, not having a yes. place to settle to settle down. That has that has uh, implications for the future as well. Anyways, yeah. I think I got a bit sidetracked there. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's 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 the that's the joy of this panel. See, this is why I brought up demographics. They're yeah, fun because we're a bunch of nerds. Uh, Joey, sure have a lovely are. weekend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Michelle, you have a nice weekend as well. Thank you. you That's too. Joey DeGupta, the host of The Pulse on AMI-audio, and Michelle McQuig is the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Coming up after the break, the British Columbia government dropped their budget yesterday. I've got a whole bunch of reaction for you in the regional news update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.